right. So here we are, our final Power Five preview. We saved the best for last. I'm a Big Ten homer, but I got to respect the SEC, what it's done in the past, where it's at today, the coaches, the players, everything all about it. Very excited. We're going to, again, as always, hit every team, pick our division winners and championship. I'm going to start with Larry. Larry, overall, the SEC, greatest conference in football, right? Um. Yes, they have the most stars. It's still very top-heavy, though, unfortunately. Um, and by top-heavy, it's Georgia and everybody else this year. Um, but I think it's still going to be very exciting. I think the West will be the most exciting it's been in years because as much as Alabama has been there, I don't think this is their year, but we'll see because it's still next saving. PCB this year, baby. Let's hear it. I mean, I'm excited. Yeah, it's definitely a stoked. I've been looking for this night, doing this pod, uh, the whole whole off season. So I do agree with uh, Larry there. Not to give too much away. Um, I don't think it's as much Georgia as people think, though. So we'll go a little bit of a hot take there. Actually, I think it's going to make a lot of people sad next year because I think I've been saving this take for a while, but I think this has the potential to be one of the most fun years in college football that we've had in quite some time. Dare I even say 2007. I think the conferences are awesome. I think they're a little more wide open than it has been. I don't think Georgia really has a stranglehold uh, on college football like people think. I think we could end up with like four random teams in the playoff and it could be like the best year and then we kind of see, you know, like what it looks like in a normal year. Um, Although there traditionally has been dynasties. Uh, you know, usually sometimes in college football, uh, you know, you'll have a team that runs the house two or three years in a row. But also there's those years where fucking just random teams go on a run and you have Kansas in the top three with like two weeks to go in the season. <laughs> I think this could be one of those years. So we'll break it down here for you um, when we look for the SEC. But bar none, that is still the creme de la creme of uh, college football. I think. You know, the worst team in the SEC this year might be like the 45th best team in college football, which is really tough <laughs> when you've got uh, like 14 teams in a conference. you got to play somebody eight weeks. Yeah, I love it. All right, well, without further ado, let's get into it. I get no right into it we got a lot of action for you a lot of teams we're going to start with the sec east to begin with i'm going to kick us off with georgia obviously the favorite to win the conference had a hole at minus 110 right off the bat though i mean you got to look at the team they lose Jalen carter ringo smith stetson bennett but georgia's a recruiting machine as i think we all know they got the people to replace it we'll see how they do the one question mark and the one biggest thing that comes with college football i think the position that matters more than any sport is the quarterback on a college football team. What is Carson Beck? What are we going to expect from him? He's been waiting for this time the whole year. He might have the most hateable face in college football. I looked him up, looked up some of the tape. God, I already hate the guy. So that's going to hurt his chances. But Brock Bowers, best tight end in the nation, probably a top 10, maybe top five pick. He's that good, Kyle Pitts-wise. They returned four on the offensive line, and I read some notes that they have about 10 people that they're actually comfy with on the line. So they have people that they can pick and choose wherever they go. 
Uh, they might be better than last year outside of the quarterback position. Obviously, we don't know about Beck, but their schedule's a joke. Um, I think that's one thing, obviously, way in their favor. I've seen a number of stats on it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll stop there. BCB, I want to get your, your Bulldog thoughts. Yeah, so I'm interested to see kind of how it works at the quarterback position for him because this is a program that's had a lot of highly talented, uh, highly ranked recruits come in at quarterback. And the only guy that it's worked with has been Stetson Bennett. So <laughs> he's the only guy that they had. It was this kind of like unsung walk-on uh, who went to Juco, bounced back. And then for whatever reason, it worked with him. He's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, they don't have Kenny McIntosh on the roster anymore as well. Who's a talented running back for him. Um, we'll see. They did lose uh, A.D. Mitchell, a running – or not a running back, sorry, a wide receiver – uh, he was a kid that really only kind of showed up in the playoffs, but made big plays for him. Uh, he's at Texas. I expect he'll he'll do big things there. The only thing, like you said, the uh, the place of kind of where they're at, Georgia's at now in college football, is they're at that elite tier of where they just keep stacking talent every year. You keep getting the big dogs in, uh, keep keep getting these guys. So uh, it's kind of like, you know, I know the uh, Miami team in the early 2000s had a saying, like, if you get injured, that's your bad because the dude behind you is probably better than you. Like, Georgia might be at that point now uh, <laughs> where they're just taking someone off the depth chart and plugging someone in that's a little better. So, like I said, I don't really think they have the stranglehold. Um, unfortunately, they don't really have a lot of minefields <laughs> on the schedule either. Uh, they play UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, and UAB to start. Uh, they only play uh, four true road games. So they go to Auburn, to Vanderbilt, which obviously isn't very tough. Um, That's usually a home game in the, uh, that conference. Then they end the season at Tennessee at Georgia tech and they get Ole Miss at home. So the sec West, I don't think, or sorry, the sec East, I don't think is really good this year. Um, Outside of Georgia and Tennessee, I do think there's a drop off. This is the Bulldogs to lose, but I mean, they've already had started to see some cracks here um, in terms of the dynasty. They've got the street racing issues. That sounds like there may be some other problems uh, within the program. So it's almost like it kind of feels like one of those things where on paper. Yeah, it looks like they should win it, but can they hold it together for another 12 weeks? <laughs> we shall see. Sure. No, I'm with you, Larry. Let's hear it. Uh, so Stetson Bennett also has a very punchable face. Uh, I'll start with that. Um, but I do think we see, I think we see both quarterbacks. It sounds like there has been a battle and it's still going on. Mm-hmm. So I do think we see Beck and Vanagriff both take snaps this season, right. whether it's because of a blowout, because their season <laughs> is dog shit and they don't challenge themselves outside of the SEC schedule. I think both quarterbacks take snaps. Brock Bowers is an absolute monster. He is the best tight end in the country. I can't wait till he the New England Patriots don't draft him in the first round because they suck at drafting. Um, the receiver, they're getting one of their best receivers back, Laddie McConkey. They also plucked the top two leading receivers from Mississippi State and Mizzou. Um, so they just plucked the fucking best players from two other SEC schools, which that's just – they're just – they're okay. as close to his dynasty as we've seen it's probably since the Gators win back-to-back titles in college football. Um, yeah, like you said, four returning starters on the O-line, and they have eight guys that they can play at any time. So they're just – 
I don't know. They're just three deep at every position. They lost a bunch of defensive players to the NFL, but they have a ton of guys who already played last year in playoffs that were just as good as the guys holding their spots in front of them. And they also have the best secondary in the country. So here's my one question. Uh, BCB, they, Georgia, correct me if I'm wrong, they had kind of a, a very close game at Mizzou last year. Was that the one that don't mean yeah. to say this on? So they went to Missouri, they won 26, 22. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you had to pick a game this year, an away game, I know there's only four true to pick from. What would you say is the one to look closely at? Well, so they also do. And then they had a game late in the year at Kentucky where they only won 16 to six. So Yep. Uh, Kentucky with their potential top five quarterback who couldn't score. Um, but <laughs> honestly, so you out of, out of the four, right? Obviously, you got to go. I think Tennessee, that one at Tennessee, November 18th. Yeah. Because yep. that'll probably be a night game. It's probably going to be a little cold. Rocky Top's going to be bumping. Yep. Um, that one puts it in there. Also, like, I don't think something that gets enough emphasis um, is that, like, playing college football, like, these schedules can be kind of hard back to back. So like they play Ole Miss at home and then they have to go to Tennessee. So I think having to play Ole Miss at home the week before, who might be the toughest game on their schedule from a conference standpoint, and then have to go on the road and play your second toughest game. It's kind of like that back to back in the NBA. You got to play a physical game and turn around another week later. So, yeah, I would say that, you know, honestly, I'm not, I'm not as big on Auburn this year, but if you want like a tough place to play, like the thing with Georgia, it's going to be rocking almost everywhere they go now. So yeah. I don't think they're going to be going to be pushed by Vanderbilt or Georgia Tech on the road. So the Tennessee and then Auburn would be the two. All right. Well, speaking of Tennessee, let's hop into them next. Uh, so I'll, uh, BCB starts off with Tennessee. All right. So. We've got uh, a team here that they kind of look like last year, finally a little bit got over the hump. This has kind of been a team that's in that Miami mold of where it seems like we would hype them up for years and years, and then it would just never come through. Um, but Josh Heupel has something working there, I think, especially with that offense. Um, they plug in Joe Milton, who actually just might be an older version of Anthony Richardson. I had dubbed him Joe off by a mile Milton earlier in his career because he would just <laughs> miss long balls uh, pretty consistently. And then you'd punt. They switched it. He was the starter here um, back in 27 – or, sorry, back in 2021. Uh, Joe Milton actually beat Hendon Hooker out for the starting job. He was struggling uh, struggling in a home game against Pittsburgh. They pulled Milton. Hendon Hooker goes in. The rest is history. Um, Also, later that year, Milton got in when Hooker got injured against Ole Miss. And he ran out of bounds with zero seconds left on the clock on the nine yard line. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'm interested to see if he's kind of taken a couple steps forward here. Definitely a kid that has all the tools. If he's not the guy, they have Nico uh, behind him. Yep. Who's uh, an, again, uh, he's a true freshman five-star kid. That's been hyped up. Probably kind of has the perfect skill set for the system that Heiko wants to run. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Like I said, I'm usually kind of cautiously optimistic. Uh, ironically, too, the third string quarterback is uh, Navy Schuler, who's Heath Schuler's son, uh, former Heisman winner okay. Okay. Uh, from the University of Tennessee. Uh, they've lost a lot on from the wide receiver position. Cedric Tillman's gone. Uh, they do come in here, though, replaced. They have Brew McCoy, who was on the team last year, former top recruit that had played at USC, transferred in. Add Deontay Thornton from uh, Oregon as well. 
Then they have a kid by the name of Squirrel White, who's a little bit of a playmaker. So they're pretty solid on offense. They have 93 career starts on the offensive line, so pretty good there as well. Guys have been, you know, working in. Um, I think from a defensive standpoint, uh, they bring back about seven starters. They should be a little bit better. It just it's tough when you're running a high tempo offense um, to to keep keep you know kind of a consistency there on defense. Uh, they do have to go to Alabama this year. Yep. Uh, spoiler alert: I think they probably win that game again. So uh, they go there. They get Texas A&M um, and Georgia at home uh, to, to the other tougher conference games. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're representing them in Atlanta this year, if Georgia has a couple slip-ups or it comes unglued. I think they're solidified as the second-best team in the division. Love it. Larry, let's hear it. Uh, love Joe Milton. Um, last year they led the nation in total offense with over 525 yards per game. Um, love the duo like BCB, love Bruce McCoy and Squirrel White. They played with Joe Milton last year. I also love the fact that this kid, Nico, is definitely pushing Joe Milton in camp every day because that kid wants to play. I forget his nickname. I'll have to look it up and get back to you, but it's like Million Dollar Nico or something. Wears chains. Like, um, that kid's ready to go. And I think Milton, I think matured. Learned a lot under Hayden Hooker. The scary part is he's not Hayden Hooker. Some of the plays Hayden Hooker made last year is why they were so good. Um, he's not as freakishly athletic as Hooker and shifty as Hooker. And they also lost two staples on their offensive linemen that were drafted highly in the NFL draft. Um, so they do have to re rebuild that offensive line. They do have a great running back room. It's basically a committee. Um, Jabari Small had 13 touchdowns last year. Jalen Wright had 10 touchdowns last year. And their other back, Dylan Sampson, had six touchdowns last year, which that's 29 touchdowns combined. That's just nasty. Um, the defense has to improve against the pass. They just couldn't stop fucking teams last year against the pass. Um, so they must improve against the pass. And I have it start here. They have a very favorable schedule. Um, I think at Alabama is their toughest. I mean, they get Georgia at home. But yep. I, those are the two big games that I'm circling and I'm very excited for. I, I, I mean, I agree with BCB. They probably get Alabama. Um, it's really that, that game versus Georgia I'm fucking very excited about. Love that it comes at the end of the year. Only extra thing that I'll add, though, is like Larry said, they were 127th in pass defense last year in the FBS. Definitely can't have that if you want a shot to win the East. But they did bring in two key transfers from BYU, solid linebackers, solid cornerbacks. So that's going to help those short, uh, quick dump off passes and obviously help out in the secondary there. So not real much else to add there. First time they had double-digit wins since 07, which if you would have asked me that, there's no way I would have thought it was that far back that they had double-digit. But uh, Yeah, one thing I'll add, too, if they do slip up and have a loss uh, under Heupel, they've been one of the best teams against the spread off a loss. So they're 6-1 and one, uh, against the spread off of a straight-up loss with Heupel. So it's, and the memory bank right there. That's uh, Yeah, <laughs> that's, if they do slip up one, bet them the next week. Let's go. All right, Larry. Chomp, chomp. Let's hear about them Gators. Uh, so this is a tough year for the Gators. 
Um, there was a lot of ups and downs in Billy Napier's first season. Um, they have a quarterback transfer from the great quarterback university of Wisconsin. Like that's their plan at quarterback. Hilarious. Graham Mertz is the plan to start quarterback at Florida and replace one of the most athletic quarterbacks we've probably ever seen, at least since Cam Newton and Anthony Richardson. Um, like it's, I have no idea what the fucking offense is going to look like. They do have a great running back duo, uh, Macho Jackson Jr. and Trevor Etienne, which is uh, Travis Etienne's, the Clemson running back's little brother. They had a combined, they combined for over 1,500 yards and 16 touchdowns last year, but they lost four starters on the offensive line. They did do well in the portal. Napier hit the portal well. He brought in guys from different conferences to rebuild the O-line, but um, you like to see some, some stability on offensive lines. Like, Graham Mertz is going to get killed, um, and that's it. I, I, I'm not high on Florida at all. I actually think this could be it for Napier. Um, they're, they just – coaches just don't last long there if they don't win. Go. Yeah, so Graham Mertz, obviously I'm a Big Ten guy. He was a five-star quarterback coming into Wisconsin, first one they've ever had. His very first game, he played in the COVID year, and he actually killed it. His very first game, he went like 20 for 21, led Wisconsin to a blowout victory. I can't remember who against. But the I think it was Illinois, right? I think it was, yeah. He went off, right? And the hype was there. And then he just slowly declined every year, whether it was a product of the system or what have you. But back to Florida, Graham Mertz is there. Let's see how he does. They're non-conference. They have FSU and Utah. Good luck with that, guys. Uh, last thing I'll add here, they got a new defensive coordinator last year. Their opponents converted on 49% of their third down conversions. Again, no chance you're going to have any shot at the East if you're 50-50 on third, uh, third down with your opponent. So got to shore up the defense, see if Graham Mertz can pull it together. BCB send us home on Florida. Yeah, so the Graham Mertz stuff is absolutely wild because he has, he's like the, the college football version of having 15 minutes of fame, right, where he had like one good game. And then you remember at the end of that season, he tried like trademarking all this stuff. And uh, like, dude, it, it's never worked out for him. Napier even took it a step further and said he evaluated every kid in the portal and this was the one quarterback he wanted. So whether that's coach speech or not, I can't imagine looking at everybody that was in the portal. Like, how do you look at, like, for what they want to run, too? Like, you you mean to tell me he, like, looked at, like, Spencer Sanders and was like, no, nah, I'll take, like, Graham Mertz. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you wanted a kid with experience, and, like, they're all in on him because they didn't add another quarterback. Like, the, they've got Jack Miller, who had transferred in from Ohio State, but he never really did anything last year. I think he was kind of injured. Uh, Kidna's kid got kicked off the team for some stuff we'll yeah. we discuss yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. It's He's trying to build this the same way he built it at Louisiana Lafayette. Like, dude, it's a little bit different when you're in the SEC, not the Sun Belt. So um, their running backs are really nice. I think Trevor Etienne and Montrell Johnson are two really nice players. I think Ricky Pearsall is a really good wide receiver. As someone who's had to watch a lot of Florida film uh, recently to try and convince myself I was wrong about Anthony Richardson at some <laughs> point, um, it's – I've seen too much to be like optimistic about this team. I don't think they're any good. I, I don't even think Napier makes it through the year. Like they've got to go to Utah 
on a Thursday night to start the season. Mm-hmm. And I don't – Cam Rising might not play that game. Um, but still, like, even if Cam Rising doesn't play, I think they're up against it. Yep, yep. You're going to need Graham Mercer to look like a player that he just hasn't looked like in, in anything except for his first game. And then week three, they're in the swamp against Tennessee. So if <laughs> that if they get boat raced in that game – they're playing Charlotte at home, then they go to Kentucky, and they have Vanderbilt at home. I think, spoiler alert, I think the Vanderbilt might beat them. Um, and you've got hey. South Carolina, Georgia. It, they're at LSU as well, too, and then they've got Florida State to end the year. Like, there's, that's the number one uh, schedule in terms of difficulty, according to Phil Steele. So, I, I just don't see it here. And, unfortunately, I think Billy Napier might be getting the ax. It seems like they have huge NIL troubles as well, too. They have the Jaden Rashada thing that fell through because apparently someone from the NIL collective just went rogue and told him they'd pay him $10 million if he went there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I don't know. It's a mess. Uh, um, this will be an interesting coaching search probably at the end of the year. It, it, honestly, it seems eerily similar – to Brian Harrison at Auburn to me. Like okay. Okay. if they make up rumors that Napier's sleeping with a really good looking intern, uh, then, <laughs> then that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. So, all I, right. I agree with, I agree with BCB. I, they're going three, they're going three and five to start the season. Georgia's going to fucking steamroll them. And that game's in Jacksonville. They, they're just going to leave Napier in Jacksonville and not take them back to the swamp. So talking transfer QBs, right? Napier said Mertz is the best. Would you guys rather have on your team DJU or Graham Mertz? DJU. Like not even close. Easily. I, I, <laughs> like, he's, like, he's closer to Anthony Richardson. He's he's actually big and athletic yeah. and has an arm. Yeah. Yeah. With DJ, DJ even played well at Clemson, like at times last yeah, year. Like, when he came into the Notre Dame game, he fucking went off, right? Yeah, the dude, the Wake Forest game, he played really well. Like he he DJ's played winning football. He just hasn't done it consistently, like on a twelve game basis. Um, I was at that. I was at that Wake Forest game. Yeah, <laughs> I lost. I lost. I bet on Wake. They got steamrolled. It was homecoming. DJ played lights out. Shipley played lights out. Um, and this. Sam Hartman did not play well. So, they, like, this is how Florida ends it. So, they go by. They go by. Then you've got Georgia, neutral side game. They're getting railed at Jacksonville in that game. Then yeah. they have to play Arkansas the next week. But Arkansas off a bye. So, we're just talking about, like, you have to play a tough team and turn around and play another physical game. Like, it doesn't add up for them. And then after the Arkansas game, they've got to go well, to LSU. LSU. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that Missouri that then at more Missouri's not easy. Yeah, then at Missouri. <laughs> or Florida State in the rival game, like Florida State's better yeah. than them. Like this, oh man, this has the potential to go off the rails and go off the rails pretty early. I love it. I love it. Well, all right, moving right along. Uh, we're going to switch from you know, shitty coach might not take his team. We're gonna switch the page to South Carolina. He's Next. not a bad coach. He's not a bad coach. Hey, well, a coach that's about to be fired, not job security, whatnot. No job security. He did a fantastic job, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, for like hey, I, times. Yeah, bad, bad choice of words. A coach <laughs> with low job security to, I think, a coach with very high job security. And one of my favorite coaches, Nick Narduzzi, who we talked about last week in the ACC. 
or yesterday in the ACC, uh, Frank or Beamer ball, man. I love Beamer at the head coach at South Carolina. He turned around that program last year, actually put them together. You got Spencer Rattler back at QB, which, you know, what are you going to get with him? Who, who really knows? He definitely, he shines at points. He, he's had moments of greatness. Um, other quick notes here. They have a new uh, offensive coordinator who actually brings with him a solid tight end from Arkansas. Um, other than that, uh, their offensive line, their running backs are concerned. They miss Bama on the schedule, but they do have UNC, Clemson, and Georgia. Uh, last thing I'll add on the defensive side of the ball, very strong secondary, but one of the things that killed them last year, they allowed 192 yards rushing per game. Wild stat. It's only the second worst in the SEC. We're actually getting to that other team here shortly, but if they can put something together to stop the run, if Rattler can throw shines of greatness, you know, here and there and actually pull together. This could be a money line upset dog team that, that I like from afar, but uh, BCB want to get uh, your thoughts on the Gamecocks. Yeah. I think if Spencer Rattler is the same player we saw last year, they'll win a game or two because Spencer Rattler is their quarterback, but they'll lose like two or three because Spencer Rattler is their quarterback. <laughs> like it's kind of, you know, Spencer Rattler giveth any take if, um, he's got he got the solid uh, nil deal with Raising Canes, which is pretty pretty awesome. Uh, solid nil to have, especially being on campus. But uh, this kid seems like you know that's someone that's been pitched as a Heisman contender for like five years now, <laughs> and uh, it just never really worked out. We'll see how he does here. I'm kind of surprised he didn't test his uh, waters in the NFL. Yeah, uh, last year I thought it was kind of a weak class, and he could have slotted in like round two, round three. Yep, but. He's back here. We'll see. Um, like I said, they had Florida as the number one most difficult schedule. We've got South Carolina at number two. Yep, so yep. it's just they might be a quality football team. It's just really hard to find wins here. Um, like you said, they lose. So they lose two guys that I really like to the portal. Um, and Marshawn Lloyd, who I thought was an absolute stud at running back. Uh, they they lose Jaheim Bell, who was kind of a utility, kind of an offensive weapon type of guy, mainly a tight end. They do get Trey Knox from Arkansas, a talented tight end. Uh, the wide receivers here, they look okay. Um, they've got the Harbor kid uh, that's a pretty solid player as well, I believe. Um, he's a true freshman, so if he kind of lives up to the billing, we'll see how he does. Um, they do have six uh, with starting experience at the wide receiver position, so a little bit of experience. Uh, they do have 86 career starts. Um, some of those are FCS transfers though. So we'll kind of see how they mesh. Like I said, probably a team capable of playing upset. They've got to go to Texas A&M, to Tennessee, to Georgia, play North Carolina and Charlotte, and they do get Clemson at home. Uh, but that might be one of those games. That might be a game though where they're getting a bunch of points and they're like five and six and, uh, they, they make it closer than they should, oh. but I just don't see the wins here on the schedule for them. Yeah. Going to be tough. Larry, your home state. Let's hear it. Larry, you're on mute. Love Beamer. Hell of a coach. Motivates his guys. Yep. Um, like both of you said, any given Saturday, we don't know what Spencer Rattler we see. Huge mm. wins last year over Tennessee and Clemson. Rattler combined for 813 passing yards and eight touchdowns in those two games. Um, 
looked excellent. Um, neither you mentioned him and their top receiver, Juice Wells Jr., were both considering leaving. Both are back. That's probably the best thing they have going for him. I agree with BCB. I liked Lloyd a lot. He ended up in USC. He's probably going to crush it out there and with Caleb Williams. Um, they need to establish a steady run game in order for them to have success. And South Carolina historically has had good running backs. I just haven't – there isn't an established one right now, uh, which is somewhat surprising. Um, like Bubs was saying – they're so bad against the run that their secondary looked very good last year. Yeah. And they are well known for having an excellent secondary. There's a lot of excellent corners and players in the secondary that come out of South Carolina. So the secondary is probably pretty good, but they looked even better last year because nobody had to pass the ball on them. Um, it's fair. But, and that last thing, um, yeah, tough schedule. They just have a – the three-week span at Georgia, week three, Mississippi State at home, and then at Tennessee, that three-week span early in the season is brutal. Mm-hmm. It looks like they then get a bye and probably get to go beat up on Florida. Um, and then I, they have to travel to Mizzou and Texas A&M back-to-back weeks. Yeah, I mean, the, whoever made the schedule just didn't do them any favors. It's it's tough and most of they they've faced the better teams at the beginning of the season it's it's like front loaded and back loaded which is unreal and it's probably not the best thing for you to get any momentum going true okay well, yeah we will okay. all- last thing south carolina is a very hard place to play very hard. very hard place to go and play um but i think their toughest games this year are in the better teams they play are road games. And I just, I don't trust Rattler to play well on the road. Agreed. Um, okay. Moving along here, who should have been uh, Indianapolis Colts quarterback this year, famous Kentucky alum, BCB. We'll let you start us off with the Wildcats of Kentucky here. Yeah. So it was a team that uh, apparently supposedly wasn't very good at wide receiver last year. Uh, that was Will Levis's problem, although apparently they have a very good wide receiver this year when they didn't lose anybody. Uh, so that's been interesting. <laughs> I've seen him listed as uh, having some of the top wide receivers in the country, which I don't think is wrong. I think Dane Key's very solid. They have a kid named Barry and Brown who's a five-star freshman last year. There was a little bit of talk, some rumors that he was going to get to the portal and that Ole Miss was very in play for him. He's unfortunately still in Kentucky, but uh, to each their own. Um, some guys just like winning five games a year. And then you've got uh, Devin Leary coming in from NC State, also another kid that was a little bit of an underachiever, I thought. Um, he's a guy that got all, all this hype, and then NC State was seven and five every year. And it's like he, Devin Leary's like a kid that I would kind of say is good enough to get you fired. Like he's just talented <laughs> enough for people to ask you why you're not winning games with him at quarterback. So. <laughs> It's uh, we'll, we'll see if they can uh, improve the offense. They do have 125 career starts on the O-line. Uh, they get a soft start to the schedule too. They play the Olama mater here. They get ball state week one. 
Eastern oh. Kentucky and Akron week three, and then they go to Vanderbilt and Florida at home. So they might be four and one, five and oh, but by the time they play Georgia at <laughs> the beginning of October, uh, we'll see. They do return 10 starters on offense. They lose Will Levis, might not be a big deal. Right. Uh, defensively has kind of been their calling card in the past. I think coming into this year, um, they only returned five starters, but again, with Stoops at the, as a head coach, like I said, the defense has been pretty solid. I expect that to continue. So probably more of the same, uh, probably kind of more old school grinded out football where they're going to play defense. Um, but I just, uh, yeah, I think this is probably a, well, five win team. Like I said, I, they, they start strong. And then the back end of that schedule, I don't know. They're going to Georgia. They've got Tennessee, Mississippi State, Alabama, South Carolina, and Louisville. So Brutal. usually a team that could it's probably they'll probably get six and six. They'll get one of those six and six, seven and five. I don't think they're world beaters anymore. Fair enough. Uh Larry, let's hear them. Uh I I actually think Devin Larry might be better than Will Levis. We're gonna find oh, yeah. out this year. Um I think that could be an improvement at quarterback, um, but they did lose. They're, even though BCB said they're returning everyone, their offensive line was one of the worst in the country last year, which is probably another excuse for Will Levis, and BCB hates excuses for Will Levis, but <laughs> their offensive line was, was – the worst in the country or one of the worst. So they have to improve. Um, I did. They need to replace five stars. BCB already said that. I also, BCB was kidding, but I think Mark Stoops, it, he has a lifetime deal for Kentucky because I think they are happy winning six games every year and going to a bowl. He, he, if he wins eight games, he gets a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll finish this up here. They do have a new offensive coordinator. So with Leary, maybe that triggers something on the offense where they can put something together. As you both mentioned, offensive line is going to be a problem. Brown and Key, though, from a wide receiver core, that's a solid group to start with if you, if you could. Their OC actually was the OC of the Rams last year and came back to Kentucky. He was with Kentucky, came back. So that'll be interesting to see. One thing I think that Stoops does, though, he does great defense. And I think they thrive as an underdog. So not last year. Last year, they were favorites. They were, hey, this team's going to go far. Hey, we have a Heisman winning quarterback. I think this team, if you look back two years, that's when they really showed up out of nowhere. Like, hey, who the fuck are these guys? Who are these Wildcats? I think this year, looking at them as an underdog, I think they can pull off some wins and maybe cross into that seven-win territory. But I think Stoops, obviously great coach, defense solid. Larry, what you got? Uh, I just think it's funny, and it's as much as we give the SEC credit, these teams are soft. Like the fact that they booked two ma uh, two Mac Maxion teams in their first three weeks, it's just soft. I just had to throw it out there. I mean, it, yeah, I'll, I'll throw this out there too. That Akron team might give them a little bit more of a problem than what people expect. Joe Moorhead's in his second year at Akron, so former SEC guy. Hey, shout okay. out. Shout out. Uh, also, too, at one point, uh, people forget this, but like six weeks into the season last year, Kentucky was ranked seventh. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were until they met the buzzsaw that was the Ole Miss Rebels. So. <laughs> okay, okay. I love it. I love it. 
All right, we're heading towards the bottom of the East. We got two teams left. Larry, why don't you start us off with old Mizzou? Uh, so Mizzou, they have somewhat of a three-man race at quarterback. Jake Garcia, a Miami transfer, Brady Cook, and Sam Horn. I don't – I think the battle's still going on. Yep. Um, I think we'll see multiple – we could see all th three quarterbacks for him this year. Who yep. knows? Um, they have a stud receiver coming back. I think it's their – it's one of their highest touted recruits that Missouri has ever got, uh, Luther Burden the third. Last year as a true freshman, he had 45 catches and six touchdowns. Um, so that's – he's their best player. Um they their running back room and their offensive line is loaded with seniors. Love to see that. Um, and the defense also returns eight starters. And they last year they were one of the best defenses in the country. Um, so I, I mean the big question is can they figure it out at quarterback? Uh and I think Mizzou could be uh they could be upsetting some of these SEC teams when they come to Missouri. I think they've been building they've been building a good program, um, and I, I think this is, this is a good year for them. I just they need solid play at the quarterback position. Bubs has mentioned it. I mean, if you don't have a good quarterback, like a good defense can only take you so far, especially in the SEC. Like yeah. other SEC teams, they're gonna score the football. They're gonna go fast. They're gonna keep going at you over and over again so interested to see the quarterback that comes out and actually can put something together don't know a ton about any of the kids um but it sounds like jake garcia who's a transfer from miami leader in the clubhouse to maybe start week one so i'll start off next the reports I'm seeing, and I'm not saying that I'm right by any means, I'm seeing Brady Cook's going to start at quarterback. But like Larry said, there could be a wild number of options between the three out there. One thing with their offense, they definitely lacked big plays last year. So can you improve that? Can you, you know, put the ball 20, 25 yards down the field? Can you make those big plays? You're going to need that in the SEC. Solid wide receiver court, but onto the defensive side of the ball. Second year defensive coordinator. His first year, he moved the points down 8.7 fewer points last year. Uh, so I love their defense coordinator, what he's done on that side of the ball. They do lose their top three defensive ends, which is a wild thing to say, but they rotate them out, kept them going through, but all three are gone. Uh, otherwise, their defense is going to be strong. They do get K-State for a non-conference. That'll be an interesting game to watch. little rivalry uh, cross-border, I guess, however you want to call it. And they do miss Bama. So... Overall, it'll be interesting to watch this team. Can they settle in at quarterback? What can they do with their schedule? Can they pull off a couple of money long underdog upsets? Go ahead, say what you're gonna say. Did you just try to make Mizzou versus Kansas State a rivalry? <laughs> Mizzou and Kansas are right next to each other. So are a lot of states in the southeast. No, dude. Kansas is not in the southeast. Moving on. BCB, wrap us up with Mizzou. All right. What's so, the public state? What's the uh, name? I'll give you the Jake Garcia backstory because I think it's kind of fascinating. Uh, do you remember the the old MTV show um, Two a Days that had the coach that had the real like quotable coach from Alabama that was like threatening his players? 
Yeah, he, he would rush probes, baby. He would threaten his players with violence. And <laughs> I think so, he has multiple wives living with yeah, him. Yeah, dude, he had, he's got to be on the Mount Rushmore of horny dudes because he had a wife with a family. He had a second family in a different part of the state. And then he had a mistress. So <laughs> that dude. All over. Yeah. That show was awesome. Don't know if he was an air raid guy, but he was obviously a fan of spreading it out. So <laughs> then, so he, so he gets fired from Hoover, right? Or whatever that, that goes its own way. Well, he was going to do the, the guy that was the producer of that show makes a show called title town uh, where he's coaching in Georgia now. Mm-hmm. So Jake Garcia is going to be a star quarterback that year. Jake Garcia transfers in for his senior year. Well, apparently they popped him on like a wire. He may or may not have paid Jake Garcia's family to, to move to this town to come play for him. Yeah, uh, Garcia Garcia has to sit out most of the year in the playoffs. Uh, goes to Miami, never really took off there. He never beat out Van Dyke. And then now he's, he's back here in Missouri. So he's had a bit of a ways to get there. Always been considered kind of a highly talented kid, though. Uh, he was a, a big-time recruit. So we'll see if he can put it together. I know Brady Cook played well at times last year when he was put in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wide receiver Luther Bird's a huge weapon. Was another kid that they thought might transfer. Um, and he's going to stay put here. They have Theo Weiss at wide receiver as well, too, transferring from Oklahoma. Was kind of just a guy. They also have Danish Jackson, who's an old Miss transfer. The kid was like a really good athlete, just had problems with drops and couldn't stay on the field consistently. Okay. So we'll see. Um, a couple years ago, if you remember, the Missouri's defensive problems basically stemmed around the fact that their defensive line was their weakness. They couldn't stop anybody against the run, couldn't really pass, couldn't get any pass rush going. Unfortunately, they're saying their D-line's the biggest concern on the team again this year. So uh, maybe you're going to get a little bit of a regression from the improvement that they made last year. Eli Drinkowitz is in his fourth year. I'm still kind of skeptical on him. Uh, one of my things that I've kind of learned here when it comes to coaches is don't overrate coaches who win at programs where everyone's won. He comes from Appalachian State where every coach yeah, who's yeah. came in Appalachian State wins. He says this is his best team. Unfortunately, they have the sixth most difficult schedule. Um, do have one of the best cornerback duos, though, in the SEC. So if they can get some help with the pass rush, they've got a puncher's chance in some games. It's just uh, out of conference. Like you said, they're playing Kansas State. They're playing Memphis on a neutral location. And then you've got LSU, South Carolina, at Georgia, Tennessee, and at Arkansas to end the year. So schedule didn't do them a lot of favors. I think they could. They're six and a half with their win total. I think five to six wins is probably about right. For sure. Love it. Wrapping up the SEC East, I'll kick us off with Vandy. One of of the teams when, you know, you think about them, you don't think too highly knowing their past, their, you know, most recent history. A.J. Swan does come back, sophomore quarterback, freshman last year. Looked promising, definitely had his ups and downs, but obviously a young guy. They lose their top running back in some of their offensive line. But last year, I mean, they went five and seven, which somewhat respectable, you know, especially for a Vandy team right there. On the flip side of the ball, though, where they have their issues is that their defense finished last in scoring in back-to-back years. So, something's got to change. You got to, you got to fix the defense side of the ball, at least, you know, show some improvement, at least to be competitive in games. AJ Swan, I'm not sure if he's the one to bring your offense back into play, but uh, again, back flipping to the offensive side of the ball, they do have 70 starts combined on their offensive line. That should help the young quarterback. And then um, 
secondary, not that strong. So overall, Vandy, they're not the terrible team I think, you know, we think of when we think back the last three, four, five years, but I think they're at least trending in the right direction. VCB? Yeah, so I really like this team a lot. Uh, over 100 win totals, three and a half. This is my biggest bet that I have on a win total so far this year is the over three and a half. Okay. Uh, reason being, well, they get Hawaii and Alabama A&M at home to start. They go to Wake Forest, which I think they, they're kind of going to have a puncher's chance in that game. Uh, but then they play UNLV in week four, so that gets you to three wins right there. So they probably start three and one, uh, which actually they started three and one last year. Uh, so... Oh, yeah. uh, so they, they, they get you there, and then you just got to win one. Uh, got to win one down the string, whether it's Florida or Missouri or Kentucky. I think they'll find a way to get one more of those. Uh, A.J. Swan's a really talented kid. I thought he was a solid player. Two years ago, people don't realize this, but two years ago, Vanderbilt actually had the 34th-ranked recruiting class in the country. So they've got some of those kids that have developed. Um, Clark Lee, who was a fullback here, big fullback guy, so show him love. He's, he's a fullback at uh, Vanderbilt. He's the head coach here. He's in his third year. Just got a contract extension, actually, a couple of years ago. Uh, so, But they do return 81 starts on the offensive line, and they now uh, consider an offensive line the strength. They think it might be the most improved unit on the entire team. So I think they're going to be, be be productive. This is actually a team that they had a lead on Ole Miss last year at halftime. Yeah, uh, and they played some. They played some schools pretty tough. They uh, they only lost to South Carolina by eleven last year. Uh, went to Missouri, only lost by three, and uh, they were able to pull upsets at Kentucky, and then they beat Florida at home. So, yeah, I they're a scrappy team. I think they're they're going to be one of those. They're probably they could get to a bowl. I think six wins isn't out of the question. Uh, they have fifteen starters back, and I think they take another step forward in year three not a team that, that people are going to want to face like Vanderbilt was kind of your buy in the SEC in years past. I don't think that's the case. All right, Larry, finish us up with the SEC East. Oh uh, yeah. So their coach openly admits that the goal is just to secure a uh, bowl bid, um, which uh, it's at least honest, um, yeah. honest and real. Um they had the worst secondary and allowed 8.7 yards per pass attempt last year, which is tough. Very impressive wins at Kentucky and Florida on back-to-back weeks. Um, I think I think they get four, maybe five wins, probably right there at the bowl eligible. Uh, but the it's just, I mean, it's every year. The SEC schedule for them is just very hard. True. Yeah, not much to say. I mean, yeah, they could be a surprising team. We'll definitely see. But that wraps up the SEC East. Let's flip over to the West. And BCB, we're going to let you kick us off with the Crimson Tide. All right. So I don't think this is the Crimson Tide of years past. I think, honestly, if you're betting, uh, I've got the under on their win total. I also think that you should probably take the you know second through third or fourth choices uh, on the division. To, to, to win the division. So um, Alabama, here, here, here's my main concern. So if you go back, rewatch the film from last year, Bryce Young did so many things for that football team. He won them games they shouldn't have won. Bama's had struggles on the road the last few years too. People don't really mention it. It kind of became a thing at the end of last year. People talk about Bama on the road. But, but if we look at the road games from last year, so they, they beat, won Texas by a point. Probably doesn't happen if Quinn Ewers stays upright. 
They went to Arkansas, took care of business. That was fine. Lost at Tennessee, lost at LSU. And then Ole Miss was on the six yard line down six with like 30 seconds to go and took two sacks. So they were right there in terms of uh, taking some L's in, in these major road games. Now they don't have Bryce Young and they're replacing him with Ty Simpson, who, who might be a, a very talented recruit. Um, we'll see. They've got Tommy Reese, an offensive coordinator as well, too. Bill O'Brien's out. Pete Golding's also out a defensive coordinator. So they've got a wholesale staff change. Uh, or Tyler Buckner might end up being the quarterback. And if that's who they're playing from Notre Dame, then good luck. Uh, it's going to be a rebuilding year. Also, there's a little bit of uh, rumors out there to be believed that they had floated upwards of a million dollars to Tyler Van Dyke from Miami to transfer. That didn't happen. And then uh, Talia Tagovailoa, who may or may not have some connections to the Alabama program, said, hey, uh, certain programs offer me 1.5. Those are like coincidentally similar numbers uh, from a program that has connections and needs a quarterback. So I'm not saying anything. I'm just, you know, if we're reading tea leaves, looks like they may not be happy with the quarterback situation. The wide receivers last year, I, it's kind of weird to say it, but I – the, the skill positions at Bama aren't all-time great like they have been in the past. Yep. There's not a Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. There's not even a Trent Richardson uh, running back or Mark Ingram or any of those guys, although I think Jason McCollum's a fine player. Only have 44 career starts. Their kids are kind of talented on the offensive line, but, again, inexperienced. And that's, unfortunately, uh, the name of the game. You look all over the roster, except for the secondary. Uh, looks like they're pretty much inexperienced. And they do have the uh, the freshman here, Caleb Downs. This is a kid they've already compared to uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. He's playing safety. So this kid's apparently the real deal. Saban has even kind of talked him up a little bit as a true freshman. So excited to see what that kid can do. I just think they got to go to Texas A&M. Uh, they play LSU at home, Tennessee at home, and then they're at Auburn late in the season. And they get Ole Miss in Texas at home. It's a tough schedule, ranked eighth in the country right now. I just – I don't think that they're able to – I think they could win 10 games, but that's kind of a down year for Bama, right? So, 9-10 wins, um, I, I, maybe even less. I wouldn't be surprised. What is their win total? 10 and a half. 10 and a half. Got it. Larry, let's hear it. Um. So, yeah, let's see. Similar to what BCB – and, I mean, I have no issues piling on Alabama – so they, they lose a staple on offense and defense. Bryce Young and Will Anderson, two of the best players in the country the last two years, three for Will Anderson. Um, this is the first year I can remember in a long, long time where I, I have to look up. They don't have a star receiver or a running back in the pipeline. Like, they're not – Alabama for, I don't know, the last 15 years, maybe a stretch for 15, but like household names at receiver, like Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley right behind them. These, it's just bums. And they're probably not bums. They're probably four or five-star athletes, but it's just not, there isn't that excitement. And to round it out, like, I'm sure Ty Simpson is fine. Tyler Butner stinks. Like, I I don't even understand the Tommy Reese signing. I understand <laughs> he's running running Saban's. He's now running Saban's system, but the Notre Dame offense was so bad last year. Like, 
what system was Tommy Reese running last year? Not his own. Like I, they, that offense was so atrocious. I don't understand. And I just don't think I I'm about to jump on the under 10 and a half. Once I heard BCB say that, um, it's I it this isn't this isn't the Pama team we've known for the last 10 years. Yep. So my one question to you guys is I've heard you mention Buckner and Simpson. No Milro. I've I've seen him thrown in the mix for possible starter, but you well, I'll lean to BCB on this SEC guy. You think he's got any shot of getting in there? I think he's got a shot just because I don't think they have a guy. Like okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they use three. It's just the, not that I have like any special insight to the band oh, program, but just kind of like from what I've heard, it, it, Buckner and Simpson are the two names. Got it. Okay. That I've, that I've heard uh, the most. So. Okay. Well, the other thing I noticed, uh, I noticed, started to notice a little last year, um, the discipline Alabama defense and team. It's I, I don't know if that discipline's still there. I, oh. this, you're making stupid plays. Even Will Anderson was getting roughing the passer from flags, even offsides. I don't, I don't want to say Nick Saban's lost the fastball, but something is, something's off, and I don't, I don't see it changing. Like I don't that they, I don't see five star recruits. They used to be Georgia, and have two deep at every position. So I'd say that they're still a top five recruiting program, but my last piece that I'll add, because I think you both made really good points on Bama. I think it's not a play for me at the 10 and a half because I think of two things. Number one, they get Texas, Tennessee, and LSU all at home this year. I mean, if anything, um, playing at Bama, it's not like the Swamp or Death Valley. So it's not that big of a home advantage, but I mean, it is helpful. But I think we can't underestimate Nick Saban. I think he is the godfather he's he's shown in the past. So until he fails, like, I think we got to put him up on that pedestal. But you both make some valid points on Bama that maybe this is the year we see them drop a bit. So, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll add this to Bama, too. It's like last time we kind of saw him in this conundrum when they were at a crossroads and we were, we, you know, we were going to write off Nick Saban. He went out and got Lane Kiffin to be his offensive coordinator and kind of re-energize the offense, right? Like it kind of started another run for him. Yeah. Um, and they went from the old school under center every play to they were, you know, doing different things. And, you know, they would have Deontay Smith or Jalen Waddle or, you know what I mean? They had those kind of explosive receivers, uh, you know, Jones, Julio Jones. Like it became a completely different offense with yep. those guys when they had Lane Kiffin there. I mean, they missed on the first kid they went after for offensive coordinator. They missed on the Washington guy. They tried hiring him, and he yeah. said no. Yep. And so you kind of end up with Tommy Reese, and I don't think anyone was really clamoring as Tommy Reese <laughs> is this, like, big offensive coordinator hire um, coming out. So I don't it, I don't know. It seems like – the and Kevin Steele's a defensive coordinator yep. who, was at, who was at Miami last year, and, and supposedly they had – made a contract offer to Pete Golding, but weren't very aggressive. And he left his contract was up. He left to go to Ole Miss. So I, I don't know the, the coaching staff and the turnover, unfortunately, like dynasties do in, right? Like it, and it can get ugly at the end uh, sometimes with this. And so I'm not, not saying that I'm counting out saving, but 
Uh, I, I, I'd rather be a year too late than a, or a year too early than a year too late to the party. Makes uh, sense. It's like Tyson in his glory days, man. You know, no one <laughs> ever thought he could be beat. And then it slowly just, it got sad. I look forward to them to be a, a heavy favorite against Texas and bet against them. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we could catch the books and Alabama wins a couple early. And then I, they got Texas week too. So that game's going to be awesome. Um, but I think, I think we'll know who Bama is once we see that game. Oh yeah. And I think we'll see, we'll know who Texas is too. I think, you know, for both sides. Yeah. Well, also too. So if they lose to Texas, lose to Ole Miss, like they've got a chance for this to go off the rails pretty early too. Like real quick. Yeah. Cause that, that was kind of the thing. There were those rumors that were floated out there. Was it like, there were some kids who could have been playing that definitely weren't playing at the end of last year mm-hmm. after they had a couple losses. So uh, it, it becomes really interesting other than the kids with like NFL aspirations, you know, what, <laughs> what does it look like yeah. with a whole new staff? If you don't start hot. All right, well, let's move over to their rival then, the LSU Tigers. Larry, want to get your uh, starting thoughts here? Um, so last year, Chip Kelly's first year, he did a pep rally and had a Cajun accent. <laughs> Everyone counted. They were like, oh, this is going to be bad. This is not good. The people of Louisiana, the Bayou. I didn't think they were going to buy in. I thought it was going to be a disaster. Turned out to be excellent. I think Jalen Daniels is a star. He threw for over 3,800 passing yards and 29 total touchdowns last year. Their full offensive line is returning, which is, you'd love to hear it. Love to hear it. Um, they have a very good tight end, uh, young tight end, Mason Taylor, and their top two wide receivers are back. Um, the one thing they need is more production at the running back position. And then the last thing I have is on the defense. They have an absolute monster and their leader, Harold Perkins Jr. Uh, I believe he was a freshman last year. And he had 72, 72 tackles, seven and a half sacks, and 13 tackles for a loss. They had to hit the portal to reload the secondary, but like that's some stuff that Chip Kelly's pretty good at. Um, so I'm pretty high on LSU as long as Jaden Daniels can stay healthy. And I I mean, I you just love to hear Jaden Daniels with the full returning offensive line. Just love to hear it. Um but yeah, that's that's what I got. No, it'll be interesting this year. Like you said, they had double-digit wins last year. Think if they would have won against Florida State, they got a blocked extra point at the end of the game. Like that's just one extra W on there. We could be talking them, you know, almost playoff spots, even though they lost the championship. Uh, only extra thing I'll have to add against LSU, I think Larry hit on all my points there. I need help in the running game. All five offensive linemen return, great wide receivers, great tight end and Taylor. They do go at Ole Miss at Bama, and they got a neutral against FSU. So that's not helping anybody right there, especially throwing in LSU or FSU there. So that'll be some concerns, but, you know, if Jaden can pull it together like he did last year, I hate Chip Kelly, but you got to give him credit. He actually performed pretty well last year, especially after that first game against FSU. BCB? 
Yeah, so uh, fun fact here about the LSU Tigers. This is the first time they returned their starting quarterback since 2019. That was a kid by the name of Joe Burrow that came back. Okay. Worked out pretty well for him. So I like those fun little tidbits. Uh, Jaden Daniels is a kid that I had kind of written off yep. last year. I didn't even think he was going to become a P5 transfer, not a major P5 transfer. When I saw him at LSU, I was like, oh, uh, well, he's probably not winning that job because they had Nussmeyer, they had some other people. Uh, Max Johnson, I think, was on the roster. Um, they they had just some other kids there that that I thought would uh, that I thought would would end up beating them out. Yep. Well, come to find out, I mean, it for some reason it works, right? Like this kid is one of the the few quarterbacks I've seen that, in terms of like his running ability, a lot of people overrate quarterbacks that can run. Jane Daniels is one of those kids that like you can have him dead to rights, and he just turns it into a seven yard gain. I don't know. Yep. how it is and, and you'll watch his games like he'll have stat lines where he has like 100 passing yards but he has 110 rushing yards <laughs> it's frustrating yeah. i don't know how defensive coordinators uh, can manage it they do add logan Diggs at running back uh, transferring from notre dame who i think will be a key player for him on the offense uh, they have uh, 102 career starts on the offensive line so it uh, looks like they should uh, make an improvement decrease the sacks keep keep jane daniels a little healthier or a little cleaner a little healthier they lose, or uh, sorry, they bring back four of their top six wide receivers. Um, Batui's gone, or however you pronounce Keishon Batui. Um, Booty, I've heard of Boutte, yeah, Booty. Uh, very fitting name. Apparently, they had some fun with the assistant coaches and a staffer, if rumors are to be believed, uh, before the bowl game last year. So maybe that's a little bit of addition by subtraction, <laughs> getting a guy like that off. They only bring back one starter in the secondary, but they did add uh, five major transfers in the secondary as well, too. Uh, they get Deuce Chestnut, a very solid player from Syracuse, and bring in a FCS All-American in Zy Alexander. And then they have Denver Harris, who was a five-star uh, at Texas A&M, was kind of in that class that um, NIL, the, the best class that NIL money can buy. And then all those kids hit the portal. So he's one of those. He lands here at LSU. So... I think they're going to be better. Uh, it's kind of funny, like you said, the this team was really weird last year. They get the extra point block against Florida State. They lose, get absolutely blown out at home to Tennessee, 40-13. to 13. And then they just go on a run. And up until they played Texas A&M, uh, lost, let down the Texas A&M in the regular season last year, and then got blown out by Georgia in the title game. So, yeah. I think Kelly had maxed out at Notre Dame. I think the ceiling is much higher here. I honestly think this is a dark horse contender uh, to make it into the college football playoff. Harold Perkins might be the best defensive player in the country. Absolutely. Mini Micah, Person Micah Parsons right there. Um, okay. Speaking of A&M, I know you mentioned them briefly. I'll kick us off with A&M. I mean, Jimbo, and, well, I don't know really what. He's got the big contract. He's shitting on NIL, shitting on conference realignment. I talk about how, you know, Beamer is my favorite coach and Arduzzi is my favorite. I fucking hate Jimbo Fisher. Uh, so to the team, though, uh, Connor Weigman's back. Uh, last year, uh, they were terrible against the run, 123rd in the FBS. When you think about all the five stars and everyone that they get from a recruiting standpoint, that's got to be unacceptable. From an offense standpoint, <clears throat> excuse me, 22.8 points per game on offense, 101st in FBS. You're looking at like Iowa Hawkeye levels right there. You can't have that happen either. The, the one positive I did find from them as a team overall as a whole, they lost five by six or fewer last year. So they kept their games close. They definitely 
makes me think that there's a there's a way to turn around. You weren't getting blown out all the time or two possession games. Bring in old Bobby Petrino, the new offensive coordinator. That'll be definitely fun to see. Hopefully put a spark in the offense. Running back by committee. And I guess what I'll end on is uh, offense line definitely struggled last year and needs to improve it, but they have a tough schedule. Uh, you're looking at it here. They got Bama at Tennessee, uh, at LSU to end the year. Mississippi State at home in the middle, at Ole Miss. So we'll see. I mean, my question before I turn it over to you, BCB, and for Larry, Jimbo, if he pulls another, you know, if he doesn't make a bowl this year, is he done? Let's just put it that way. Yep. Yeah, I think he's done. No, yeah, no. <laughs> They signed him to a 10-year, $95 million contract extension. Didn't he just have the number one recruiting class in the country last year? Is um, it more, a, a, more the fact that he it's AM or more the fact it's Jimbo Fisher, though? Jimbo Fisher. Um uh, go ahead, BCB. He wasn't a real he wasn't a great recruiter before the invention of NIL. Like <laughs> if you go look, those those classes got a whole lot better. I'm pretty sure he signed more five stars in the first year of NIL than he signed than he had signed his entire career. Uh, at Texas A&M so here's the way I see it I mean if you know how like dude that that's money down there at Texas A&M like they've got oil money they'll they'll do the buyout it doesn't matter that I think with the NIL that like the boosters probably think that's them like they can they can get another coach to come in there um and take over the head coaching spot no problem it's yeah keep us going on A&M then BCB okay all right, so I'll, I'll start here. Uh, so they got a quarterback by the name of Connor Weigman, who's a true sophomore, threw for eight touchdowns, zero interceptions last year and four different starts. Uh, I know it's your boy, Quinn Ewers, but Quinn Ewers, uh, Texas A&M was on a short list. They actually didn't recruit him because they thought Weigman was better. So they were happy with who they had in-house. I may or may also not have some uh, Weigman money at 150 to one for him to win the Heisman this year. He's down the 40 to one. So kind of a dark horse there. They're really good at running. I mean, they're really good at the skill positions. Like you said, they've recruited and the guys they've retained are really, really talented. They get motorcycle Bobby to come in here and try and uh, reignite the offense. So I, it's either going to be a huge resurgence and they're like a fire Phoenix that rises from the ashes, or it's going to be uglier than the time that Bobby wrecked with the motors wrecked that motorcycle with the intern on his back. Because, like I said, I think this is kind of uh, Jimbo's whole Jimbo's last last stand here, okay. and obviously the pressure's got to be getting to him a little bit. Like Lane Kiffin just trolls this guy for fun from time to time, <laughs> like just to <laughs> just to get him fired up. Uh, they're really good at the wide receiver spot too. They've got Evan Stewart and Ania Smith who comes back. He was injured a little bit last year. I uh, was out for most of the year. That was a huge loss for him. Week two becomes a huge game for them. So they go to at Miami. I think that's a huge kind of fork in the road for both teams. If they go blow Miami out, hey, you never know what's going to happen. If they lose to Miami, that could be the beginning of the end for them here. Uh, you're going to know pretty early. But I, I do think uh, I do think they're actually, a, as much as I hate to say it, I do think they are a, a college football playoff contender. They're 30th on the experience chart as well, too, um, in terms of returning production. So. Arrows are pointing up for him here. I, I'm a believer in the Aggies. We'll see how it goes. Love it. Larry. BCB is crazy. Uh, this is an eight-win team at best. 
They have an absolute gauntlet in the middle of their season. Arkansas neutral site, Alabama at home, at Tennessee, South Carolina, at Old Miss, and then Mississippi State. There is a bye week in there before they go to South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina. Um, but yeah, no, this is seven, eight wins at best. They're not gonna sniff. Uh, they'd have to win. They have to be top two in their side of the division to sniff the playoff, and I don't see it. I seven, eight wins at best. All right. Well. Larry and I are going to kind of take a back seat for this one. Uh, we're going to move to the Ole Miss Rebels. Um, yeah, BCB, I'll see if I can add anything in from what you say, but the floor is yours. Yeah, if we need to, we can make this a little bit of a Q&A. So if you guys, <laughs> if you have questions, let me know. I know a thing or two about this team. So um, right. comes in here. Obviously, we're in year four of the Lane Kiffin experiment. Thought it might be year one at Auburn uh, this time. At this time last year, thought, you know, hey, maybe he's going to be gone. He is not. So glad he's still at Ole Miss. Glad to still be following Ole Miss. Um, here's what I'm looking for. So you've got, obviously, the quarterback room is absolutely loaded. You've got Jackson Dart back for year two. Most of Lane's quarterbacks have taken a huge step in year two. Uh, definitely Matt Corral did where it led him to a season where some people think if he doesn't suffer a cheap shot and people start throwing trash on the field of Tennessee, he might've won the Heisman. That's neither here nor there. We won't debate that at this time. Uh, they have maybe the best running back in the country. My first question, is there a QB battle in Ole Miss? No, I don't think so. Not okay. from, okay. So that's, it's the, it's an interesting thing because most of the national media yeah. is kind of under the impression that there is. And the local media all is all like the insiders. Everybody's Jackson Dart. Like it's Jackson Dart's job, Jackson Dart's job. Um, one thing that's kind of interesting. So Spencer Sanders still has his grad transfer. And he said in an interview the other day, he doesn't have his bachelor's degree yet, but he will soon. So once he gets that, he's eligible to transfer right away. Um, they also added Walker Howard who transfers in from LSU. He was the one that was dancing with Brian Kelly in the video to the Garth Brooks song. So he's actually at Ole Miss now. And then they had a quarterback who was in the class of 2025. But he's a homeschool kid from Florida, Austin Simmons. He plays baseball and football. Um, he committed. He flipped from Florida to Ole Miss like a month ago and then reclassified to 2023. So he's actually on the team now. Oh, shit. And, yeah, he, apparently he's been lighting it up in practice. They're saying he looks special. So – I think the, the the more interesting battle will kind of see who's the, the quarterback of the future between Walker Howard and, and Austin Simmons. Uh, Quashawn Judkins, you've got maybe the best running back in the country. He comes back. He was a four-star true freshman last year. Lit the world on fire. Uh, they actually have a lot behind him as well, too. So they've got Ulysses Bentley, who's more of a pass-catching running back, transferred in from SMU but was injured most of last year. Didn't play for him. Uh, and then they also added a kid um, who was a top 100 recruit that they got at the last minute, probably thanks to some NIL money. He flipped from Michigan State to Ole Miss at the last second. And then uh, just like three days ago, they added a kid by the name of Jan Phillips, who's a running back from Oregon State, was the second string out there. Uh, he immediately went to the portal and immediately committed to Ole Miss. So it should be fun, um, especially when you go. They've got Zakari Franklin now and Trey Harris. Zakari Franklin comes in from UTSA as a wide receiver. He is injured, probably won't be back till about the Alabama game is what it looks like. They do get Trey Harris uh, from Louisiana Tech. He was probably one of the best 
maybe the best wide receiver in all of G5 last year. So I know they said he's firmly entrenched as number one. They also have a true freshman, uh, the kid by the name of Aiden Williams, a wide receiver that they expect to play. And they said he could be their number two. So I've only heard two things about two freshmen. Uh, One's Aiden Williams. Last year on the camp, the only freshman you heard anything about was a kid by the name of Quishon Judkins. But nobody thought he'd get a lot of playing time because he had Zach Evans. So very excited to see what Aiden Williams can do. Um, then they've got kind of a host of, of other players at wide receiver. They have Dayton Wade, who was on the team last year. Uh, they got Jalen Knox, who had transferred in from Missouri a couple of years ago, hasn't really done anything, but needs to step up. Okay. It's a Lane Kiffin team. They're not short on talent. Uh, they, they also get uh, Caden Priestcorn, who transfers in as a tight end. He was uh, first team All-American All Conference last year uh, from, the, uh, from Memphis. So he comes in. From Memphis, he's going to start, it looks like. And then they also still have Michael Trigg, who was a big addition for him. Came in with Jackson Dart, gotten some off-the-field trouble. that He never really got it rolling. He was kind of suspended last year. I didn't think he would actually be on the team. He's still on the team, so that's good. Uh, 131 career starts, and they're listed on the Joe Moore shortlist on the offensive line. So we love, love, love where they're looking at from the offensive line. And um, they also kind of have a freshman that might be working his way in as well, too. So I know that they really they like where they're going there. They convert away from the uh, the three, three, five. Like I said, you get Pete Golden coming in from Alabama. So I think this is going to be kind of a re-energized group. Uh, they've really added a lot of transfers all over the defense. Uh, they had a kid from Georgia Tech last year who they thought would be a bigger impact. He's six, five, two, fifty five. His name is Jared Ivey. Hopefully he breaks out this year. I was kind of a kid Georgia Tech had signed. They got a cornerback, Zachary Walton from Georgia Tech. Uh, signed a kid from Northern Texas named Deshaun Gaddy, who was also the number one rated cornerback by PFF last year, if you like the PFF grades. Yep, yep. He comes in. Uh, they also – so they have Ladarius Tennyson, who was a strong safety. They're moving him to linebacker. Uh, added a kid named Monty Montgomery and uh, Gene Baptist – or sorry, Jeremiah Gene Baptiste from UCF. So they've got the transfer linebackers there, one from Louisville, one from UCF. And they got a freshman who's the only five-star in the class who uh, people, scouts and stuff have said, man, this guy just looks different than everybody else there, uh, Suntreen Perkins. So maybe maybe he's a second coming to Harold Perkins here. Uh, no relation, no relation. But it looks like, hey, if all, if all shakes well, this is a team that could contend uh, in the SEC West. Like I said, I think it's wide open. Uh, but here's here's the – build you up to break you down we've got to go to Alabama we got to go to Georgia we got a road game at Auburn which is going to be a grudge match because that's Hugh Freeze uh at Auburn now so you get a little bit of that um just uh just to wrap up here's my one question though on that part is that what do you foresee as potentially your biggest upset a, a game that you honestly think you can win as a dog and what do you think is your biggest game as a favorite that could sneak up on you so I'll go, I'll go one. I'll say biggest one is an underdog that I think they can win is the Alabama game. Okay. Because I think, I, I think it, on the Georgia one, they're like 17 point underdogs uh, yep. right now on like the futures line. I think the Alabama ones might be like 10 or 14 yep. um, somewhere in there. I think the Alabama one's a real winnable game. Here's who I, here's what I'd worry about though. A team that they'll probably be heavily favored over. One would be Arkansas. Arkansas always kind of plays them tough. And like you get you get some experienced team there. Um, also, not incredibly confident. Uh, I'll say this: 
uh, the Egg Bowl. Like, I mean, the Egg Bowl stuff, man. It's Thursday night game. You're going to Mississippi State. So <laughs> it's uh, it's a game they should have won last year and a game that they handled them with, like, half of a Matt Corral two years ago. But, yeah, I don't know. I have no clue what Mississippi State's going to look like this year. We'll say this about Ole Miss, though. At one point in the season, they were 7-0, and and they were leading 20-3 to at Tiger Stadium at LSU. They're in Death Valley. They're up 20 to three. <laughs> lose, or yeah, it was 20 to three. Lose 45 to 20. <laughs> and then we were also two weeks later. So then they beat AM the next week. Two weeks later, seven yards away from beating Alabama and being back in the thick of the SEC race. And Jackson Dart takes two sacks at a game I was at, one of the best times of my life, but <laughs> uh, did not end well. So then it went off the rails with the Auburn rumors uh, with Lane Kiffin. So, yeah, we'll see. But at one point over the stretch of like uh, – I'll have to look at it here. But I think it was over the stretch of like 24 regular season games, Ole Miss with, uh, with Lane Kiffin was 22-2 and two, um, over the course of those games. And the one loss was Alabama and the other one was Auburn, and that was a game Matt Crowell got carted off on. So – it had, uh, or no, they were, uh, yeah, they're like 21. Anyway, they had, they had a bunch of wins and like two or three losses before it kind of went off the rails. I, hey, we'll see. They're the, the 27th most experienced team in the country. It could be worse. Yep. It could be worse. Larry, anything extra to add there? I think they have a very difficult schedule. Um, I'm excited to see. I think at Tulane's a challenge week two. Uh, their defense is very concerning. Love the signing of Golding. I I don't know. Like it could pay off in two years. Um, in their final seven games of the season, they allowed thirty five points per game. Uh, and they kind of just it's kind of like BCB knows the moment they fell apart. But it was that LSU game. Um. So very concerned about their defense. I think the offense will be very good. Lane Kiffin still top five play caller in college football. Um, but yeah, I, I I do think their schedule is not easy at all. Uh, very difficult start to their season. Uh, I'll guarantee they're not going 7-0 to start the season this year. And I mean, hopefully they don't lose the locker room because it sure seems like they lost the locker room last year. I'll let BCB respond to that real quick if he needs to. Yeah, I'll say uh, I, I don't <laughs> think it's off the I don't think it's off the table that they'll start seven and zero. Um, the locker room, to me, to me, what the locker room thing kind of feel like is you had a guy who used to be the AD at Mississippi State. Um, God rest his soul. Don't even want to say this, but I'm going to have to say it. He hired Mike Leach the same season that uh, Lane Kiffin was available. Those two guys got hired. Okay. He lost He lost the in-state hiring. He couldn't take it. He goes to Mississippi State, spreads some – or goes from Mississippi State to Auburn, spreads some rumors that Lane Kiffin's going there. I do think at one point the deal was kind of done. There's actually some state laws in Mississippi that um, you can't – and even in the old Miss program, they'll be the first to admit they probably didn't handle the rumors as well. Mm-hmm. Also, like you said, I, I don't know so much as you lost the locker room as it's like everybody kind of had their own agendas um when they were playing off the string last year because you really just had the Alabama game right that you lost and then they went to Arkansas the, the following week 
and they lost 42-27, but they actually had Zach Evans and Judkins both had over 200 yards rushing each in that game. And then the Mississippi State game, the last week of the schedule, or the last week of the season, they lost 24-22, had some calls kind of go against them, and then they had a bad two-point conversion play at the end that could tie it. So, and then, then they made a mockery of the bowl game. So I don't know how much it actually – I don't think they really lost the locker room. They still kind of came to play. Uh, like I said, the Arkansas game sneaks up on them every year. Um, I, but I, I think they're the, they're, they can't have that shit again this year. Like Lane Kiffin's got to be committed to Ole Miss. He can't be out there flirting with Florida or whatever job comes up. They need yeah. to be locked in uh, at least for one more year, especially when you've got like Judkins and those guys coming back. This is where you get any and all Ole Miss information right here at Tub Club Podcast. All right, moving along, we got three teams left in the West. I lost my order. Uh, Auburn would be Larry. Kick us off here. Hugh Freeze is the new head coach at Auburn. Feel bad for Brian Harrison. Harris Harrison. Um, he got done dirty there in Auburn. But uh, that's just the type of place Auburn is. Uh, big, I mean, Bear Bryant, like there's just history there. You either win or you're out. Um, yeah, I mean, step one, Hugh Freach has to fix the offense. Uh, they're putting in a RPO spread system, which I'm excited to see. Huge question mark at quarterback. It's pretty gross. Robbie Ashford and then TJ Finley. I hate TJ Finley. Um, he was he was at LSU two years ago before Chip Kelly came in, and he played quarter. Uh, he played played a decent amount of snaps at quarterback last year for Auburn. So did Ashford. Neither quarterback excite me even a little bit. Um, their defense allowed over twenty nine points per game last year, which is terrible. And they had five games where they allowed 40 points or more, which is just not Auburn football at all. Um, I like the new defensive coordinator, Ron Roberts. His goal is to create havoc. And I love havoc. And basically havoc means just forced turnovers, which it's, it's hard to do. Um, there is some luck involved there. But if that's your goal and you want your players to just get after it, I love the mentality in college football. I love – give me SAC football. Give me a hard-nosed Auburn football because last year's defense was not it. It, it. It's been the worst. It's been in a long time in Auburn on the defensive end of the ball, um, which you hate to see. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think it's exciting. I don't think it's this – I don't think it's the year. Hugh Freeze hit the portal hard, hit it well. I expect him to – I think it's going to take a little bit of the time, probably, I don't know, two, maybe three seasons for Hugh to get his guy. He doesn't have his guy at quarterback. Um, I'm not thrilled about the quarterback option. So I'll hop in here real quick. Is that for – you know, obviously Hugh Freeze, I actually like him as a coach. I think he's done great things in the past. One of the things that they did post-spring practice is they did bring in Peyton Thorne, uh, Michigan State quarterback. So I think he's going to take the reins this year and start him off. Um, so I'll tell you again, as a Big Ten guy, Peyton Thorne didn't do much 
I mean, he had his year with Kenneth Walker, but Kenneth Walker ran that team. Last year, he didn't do shit at Michigan State. But again, last year, their offense, 24.8 points per game, 119th in passing offense. I don't know if Peyton Thorne's your answer for that. So that'll be an interesting challenge for them. New defense coordinator, as Larry mentioned, they gave up the third most points per game in program history. Auburn's a historic program. 29.5 points per game, third most ever. Um, just to end it up, they do have an easy non-conference, but they do get the double whammy, the triple whammy, I guess, of Bama, LSU, and Georgia on their schedule. So doesn't do them any favors. Hugh Freeze, I think, will will get a pass this year, but I don't see much from Auburn. BCB? Yeah, so like, Hugh Freeze, uh, his success has kind of came at, like when he was at Ole Miss, when he was at Liberty. Uh, obviously had some questionable recruiting tactics to get to that advantage, but uh, at that point, right, like it's when he wins games, it's because his players are just better than everybody. Like it, at Liberty, their players were better than everybody that they played against. And then when they went and played against Ole Miss, uh, they got kind of like it wasn't even close. Right. So uh, he's in a situation at Auburn where his guys are not better than everybody else. Uh, Peyton, who, regardless of whether it's Robbie Ashford or Peyton Thorne, they might have the worst quarterback in the SEC uh, starting for him this year and not a huge Peyton Thorne guy. It looks like, the, like you said, Peyton Thorne does look to be the starter. Apparently, he's been running with the ones and been taking the, the first-team snaps. So, I think he will be the starter. Jarquez Hunter, the running back's really solid player. They do have some nice talent at the wide receiver position. Added a kid from North Texas. I just don't think they're there yet, though. Uh, they do have 92 starts on the offensive line, but I, a lot of those are kids that are transferred in from smaller schools. Um they bring two starters back in the linebacker core, but uh, they 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 have hit the portal pretty hard. Uh, they did get a kid quarterback named DJ James from Oregon, who I think will be a solid player for him this year at corner. But I just don't think they have the uh, I just don't think they have the talent. Although they do return seventeen starters, um, it's just they're going to be an underdog in most of these games. They should start three and zero, but where it goes from there, I really don't know. Right. Uh, they'll have, like you said, they go. They're at Texas A&M out. LSU, they get Georgia at home, do get Ole Miss at home. Uh, but even then, that Ole Miss is coming off a bye going into that game. So yep. uh, they're playing out of Arkansas and they, they get Alabama at home late. But uh, they, yeah, actually, they have New Mexico State as well out of conference. So they probably get four wins out of conference, two to three in conference, probably doable. Maybe they'll, they'll get to a bowl here. But uh, yeah, this is definitely, it's, it's still a rebuilding year, I think, in my opinion. Great. Uh, moving right along, I'll kick us off with Arkansas, and we'll start off with my boy, probably the closest player I've tracked outside of Iowa ever in my college football fandom, K.J. Jefferson, one of my favorite players, not only in the SEC, but in the country as a whole. I will say from an offensive perspective, they do lose Bryles, their offensive coordinator. They get Enos, though, back. Uh, they have a great running back room uh, on the defensive side of the ball. The defense had 42 sacks last season, which I think was like almost tops in the country. Correct me if I'm wrong. But on the flip side, they gave up 465 yards per game, which was 124th in the FBS, which something. I mean, yeah, you got some positives there. That's a really big love-hate. They need help at the safety. Their cornerbacks are solid, though. Schedule's not terrible. I mean, if you look at it, at LSU, that's definitely tough. They got AM at Bama, at Ole Miss. But then when you kind of finish out the year – Mississippi State, at Florida, Auburn, FIU, Missouri. I mean, there's a shot at the end of the year to kind of rattle off some wins. So 
I love my boy KJ. I don't think they're winning the West by any means, but I think they're a solid team, and I think KJ is going to be a good fourth or fifth round quarterback drafted next year. Uh, BCB. Yeah, I think if you look, uh, so like you said, so Browns leaving is one of the major things. Um, there were some stats. I can't recite them exactly off my head, but basically the anytime he's left the, the quarterback that stayed, the, the offense has pretty much dropped off after Kendall Bryles has left. So it awesome. does, does, does worry you a little bit. Uh, KJ Jefferson, though, is one of those guys feels like he's been starting there for about 15 years. So he should have enough experience. I think, unfortunately, he's kind of he is who he is at this point. Um, where the floor is pretty high, but the ceiling's pretty low. You're just kind of going to get what you're going to get. Doesn't turn the ball over a lot. Only had four interceptions. Um, or sorry, he had five interceptions last year. So, you know, he had four interceptions the year before that. So, again, solid player. Doesn't turn it over. Gives you a chance to win every game. Rocket Sanders at running backs, really nice player. Don't know that they're as talented at the wide receiver position and the skill positions tied in as they have been. Um, worth mentioning Sam Pittman. He was an offensive line coach, so the offensive line is always solid. They're down a little bit in terms of starts, only have two starters back. I think they'll be fine. Uh, they do expect the defensive line to be more improved this year. So, like you said, had 42 sacks last year. Maybe they're going to be a little bit better at generating pressure without the blitz. Could take a step forward. Again, they're, they're going to be a really tough team to match up with every week. They're, this is like one of those teams, I think, that they could, like, potential, they reach their ceiling. They would be better off in, like, the Pac-12 or Big Ten. Like, there's one of those teams where you're like, if they were in the Pac-12 or Big Ten, like, they would have a real shot uh, making some noise. But they get they get Western Carolina to start uh, and then Kent State. So those should be two pretty easy wins. Kent State's pretty depleted. But then they go, then they go BYU week three. Um, and they don't really get a break again until they play FIU at the in the middle of November. So I think it, they won seven last year, including the bowl game. I think that's probably what you're going to get from them. But again, they did have a couple of games. They played AM close, LSU close, and then they lost to Missouri, but in a close game late. So I think Sam Pittman did a really good job. Um, it's, you know, we're in year four here, so people forget they were the seller team. They were the the cellar dwellers of the SEC West, so to speak, uh, were kind of a walkover. And then he came back. I just kind of think they've peaked. But being a perennial 7-8 win team is not the worst place to be in college football. Especially the SEC. Yeah. Uh, not much to add, just more reinforcement. Uh, KJ Jefferson is a star. He's easily one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. It's really him and Jaden Daniels. Um Rocket Sanders, also star, ran for over 1,400 yards and 10 TDs last year. Uh, like Bob said and BCB said, 42 sacks last year, which was a – it's a school record. Um, but as great as that is, you can't allow over 30 points a game and 465 yards per game. Like, you can't do it. I mean, if you're getting pressure up front, that means um, – big plays and someone's someone's missing plays on the back end uh the the last fact i had was uh they have to win close games uh they had a they lost uh to texas a&m lsu and missouri by a combined seven points last season so you have to win those close games um but i i, I am excited i'm glad kj jefferson's back uh i'm excited to see this team 
And I look forward to seeing KJ Jefferson. I'm actually somewhat surprised he didn't um, try to go to the NFL last year. Similar to Spencer Rattler. KJ Jefferson's better than Spencer Rattler. Um, a lot better. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested, but obviously he's coming back with meaning and purpose. Um, and I, he has a chance to be the best quarterback in the SEC. All right, let's wrap it up. SEC West, Mississippi State, BCB, your favorite team out here. Let's hear what you got. Well, fighting Brandon Walker's here, uh, Mississippi oh. State. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it's kind of kind of a melancholy, uh, you know, preview here. Yep. I it was a friendly rivalry. It was all love, but I enjoyed poking fun at Mike Leach. Uh, he, he's a great coach. He was great for college football. No longer here. Passed in a very tragic way. Uh, I'll take solace in the fact he did win his last game. So he went out a winner. He had to beat Ole Miss. I wasn't very happy that night. In <laughs> hindsight, you realize it wasn't really that big of a deal. Um, I will say this. The Pirate will be missed. So we'll get that out of the way. Now, moving on to, like, what is on the field for Mississippi State and who they are this year. Will Rogers, one of the most experienced quarterbacks. I think he's a really good player. I think he's a very nice quarterback. Unfortunately, I think they're not going to be an air raid team this year. Uh, they brought in a new offensive coordinator. So they promoted their defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett. He's the first-year head coach here after Leach's passing. But he brought in a new offensive coordinator, a man by the name of Kevin Barbe, who was the offensive coordinator at App State last year, who he rode to some wins. Uh, put up some points on NC State, and he was also with uh, Central Michigan the year before, and they almost had a 2,000-yard rusher. Uh, from what I remember of him, mostly at Central Michigan, a little bit of App State, they kind of run that pistol, like they'll run that like modified pistol. So it's not going to be as much as a shotgun this year. Probably even see some two-back sets, more emphasis on the run game. I do think Jaquavius Marks is a very good running back, so they'll get a chance to kind of feature him here. Uh, not sure what they have at the wide receiver position. I, I don't think they're great there. Um, obviously, it, it might not matter if they're they're going down to uh, they're going to be you know focusing more on the run game. So we'll see the tight end transfers in from uh, TCU. We had 136 yards and four starts on the offensive line. Uh, they do they have four starters back and 113 career starts. Um, the offensive line coach had been at uh, Auburn the last two years. And so, like I said, you're probably going to see some more run blocking scheme. Maybe that's kind of interesting because you got guys that were recruited mostly for pass blocking in the air raid system. Now it's a complete change of philosophy. They're going to be running the ball more. Uh, we'll see if that translates. And uh, they have – so on the defensive line on the other side, uh, they're, they have four guys that are using their COVID year. So they've got, they've got some grown men uh, and some highly talented guys on the other side. And they have two all SEC linebackers coming back as well, too. Uh, so they're going to be, they're going to try to run the ball. Going to look like it's going to be, the, they're going to be tough against the run. Um, they also added three, uh, three P5 transfers in the secondary, although that's probably going to be the weakness of the defense. So we'll see how they are there. Uh, did add a kid from Alabama as well, too, that had been on the team. Marcus Banks comes in from Alabama. I just really don't know what to expect on this team. They're very experienced, um, but it's a wholesale philosophy change and an ideal change. With Arnett, a lot of these guys, I, even though he was the defensive coordinator, 
people probably came here to play for Coach Leach, yep. uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. We'll see if they get some buy-in. I think the week two game they play Arizona, that's a sneaky, tough game for them. That is in Starkville. We'll see. Um, I don't know that I don't think they'll be the worst team in the SEC West. I mean, I guess someone's got to be. Uh, I would probably pick Arkansas or Auburn, but I, I don't think they're going to be world beaters either. Probably six or seven wins is the max here. So, <coughs> excuse me. I'll start. I'm huge on Mississippi State this year. I think they're going to be great. I think the switch to a balanced offense is only going to benefit not having the great wide receivers that they have, you know, with that air raid that they're going to need for an air raid offense. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, BCB, uh, the, the new OC mentioned, we're going to be under center. We're going to be in shotgun. We're going to be in pistol. You know, they're going to switch it up. They're going to show different looks out there. They have those veteran running backs and offense line. The schedule is not terrible. I mean, yeah, that Arizona game is a sneaky game. You get LSU at home, Bama at home, and then, you know, you kind of look at the rest. Your away games aren't that great, and then you get the Egg Bowl at the end. Last thing I'll end with, last year their defense was, and they're returning basically almost everyone, defense was top five in the SEC in total defense, yards per play, fewest first downs, takeaways, rushing defense, yards per rush, interceptions, and passes defended. Huge stat. I really think the defense is going to carry them. I think switching to a more balanced offense, getting that defense some time off the field is going to keep them more energized. I am huge on Mississippi State this year. They're over on the win total. And when it gets to that time, I'm about to bet whatever BCB would like on the Egg Bowl yeah, on a money line bet. But well, they, only play, they only play four road games. Uh, true. So, yeah. so. Larry, wrap us up. Yeah, I, 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 the defense is stout. It's gonna be. It's all gonna depend on how quickly they can transfer to this balanced attack. For having a good defense, establishing the run's gonna be huge, and they have a ton of experience on the O line, like BCB had mentioned. That O line has been in the air raid for the last three years. Can they run block? in the SEC, because that's a different animal against top-tier front sevens. If they can do that and control time of possession, this team could be very good. I don't know how far we went with very good, but, like, they could win seven games, seven or six games, and keep their streak alive. They've been to a bowl game in the last 13 years. They have won a the longest active streaks for going to a bowl. Um, so, I mean, they're not going to make a ton of noise, but they're going to be playing upset to uh, some other SEC teams. And I think they could ruin a couple seasons there. Um, okay. And make some noise. Love it. All right. That's our SEC wrap up. Let's get to picks. Larry, let's start us off. We need a East West and a conference winner. Pause. Take your time. Tennessee versus LSU. Tennessee beats LSU. BCB. I'm going to go out of the East. I'm still, I'll take Georgia, I guess, just based on the schedule, uh, how it shakes out. But I'll say they'll be playing the winner 
of Ole Miss and Texas A&M. So whoever wins that November 4th game will be one of those schools. That team's winning the conference this year. So I'm, I'm big on the Jimbo and Lane feud will lead someone to be great. That's. <laughs> hey, okay. I love it. I love it. Uh, I'm going Georgia out of the East and out of the West, Mississippi State. I'm just kidding. No, out of the West, I'm going LSU. I got LSU beating Georgia. I don't trust Carson Beck. Uh, so I got LSU winning the conference at SEC. All right, folks, that's a wrap for our Power Five reviews. Uh, appreciate you guys joining along for you, those of you that listened. We're about one week, week and a half away from college football. We'll be with you guys every week, exciting interviews, everything along the way. Appreciate your time. Let's fucking win some money. Thank you.